In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm Father Matt. I'm one of the priests here at the table. It's good to see you all. We're coming uh, to the home stretch of our sermon series here, Living the Politics of Jesus in a Partisan America. As for Jesus, this is chapter 7, the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And as for America, the election uh, apparently is Tuesday. That's what I keep hearing. We started this series in September because we sense an uneasiness and a confusion about the rhetoric surrounding politics in America. Either white Christians uh, use the pulpit to stump for Trump in an effort to make America great again, or white Christians sheepishly remain silent about partisan politics, focusing instead on spiritual matters like uh, forgiveness and heaven and the like. The second option that I just mentioned uh, promises to kind of let us wash our hands of the dirty politics and politicians, and we focus on the things that really matter, the eternal kingdom. Let the world pull levers and suppress voters, but we're going to get our praise on. Glory be, amen, hallelujah, holy smokes, where's the Tylenol? But the Sermon on the Mount confronts both of those options as unfaithful, deficient, and sub-Christian. Jesus' lordship, the kingdom of God, is inherently political and this-worldly. Jesus cares about how we organize society, how we handle our money, how we enact justice, how we use power, how we relate to one another, etc. And today, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus turns to how justice is meted out in his kingdom. This is all about wrongdoing and power and justice. What do we do with transgressions? How do we handle bad and wrong stuff? How do we carry power and authority to enact that justice? What does Jesus and the politics of his kingdom have to say about justice and wrongdoing among us? Well, friends, today we proclaim the good news. And it's good. That Jesus' justice runs on the power of repentance into a partisan world that runs on the power of rightness, where to be wrong is to lose everything, where you must perpetuate injustice to win, today receive the gift of repentance. Church, Christ is full of mercy. Let us see clearly that God's justice is present among us in his gift of repentance. Do not judge, Jesus says <clears throat> in Matthew 7, so that you may not be judged. James talks about some of this as well. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty, he says, for judgment will be without mercy to anyone who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So there's a whole sermon maybe on just verse 1 here. Judge not, lest you be judged. You know, Tupac uh, Shakur, he was a rap. Uh, those of us in Generation X, I think, understand Tupac. Um, but Tupac Shakur had a song, and the song title and the lyric was, Only God Can Judge Me. Now, a lot of people have said that since Tupac, including um, Spencer's main man, Kanye West. But this is kind of a, this is kind of a, uh, a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. Maybe, maybe a much more updated version of that phrase is haters back off. 
right? It's basically like, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. I get to do what I want. Um, <clears throat> this is a, a, a typical sort of popular appropriation of Matthew 7, 1. But what Jesus is saying here isn't that we can't make moral discernments, right? If I hire a babysitter and they show up like drunk, <laughs> I can actually discern it's probably not wise to leave my kids here. Jesus would not be upset about that. Jesus isn't talking about moral discernments here. What he's talking about is using power to condemn and divide. So we, ha we have to discern the difference between things that are different. It's not virtuous to not see difference or discern moral difference. Um, for instance, uh, uh, this is one of the problems with trying to deal with racism by being colorblind. Um, this isn't as helpful as many of us think it is. To erase distinction and difference is to fail to discern like and dislike or unlike. Uh, this is one way that white supremacy stays in power in our culture, friends, because white supremacy norms everything to whiteness. And then if we are colorblind, Everyone just has to perform and comport with that whiteness. So it's okay to see difference. It's okay to see black or brown or female or male. Even to morally adjudicate where there's things to adjudicate. But friends, the problem, I'm just using this as an illustration. The problem with um, color as a means um, using, but to see color as a means of using power to subjugate and control and condemn or being morally superior to others, that is wrong. That's, and that's how whiteness was invented. So whiteness isn't something that people have always seen. Whiteness is something created in order to judge, <laughs> in order to legitimize and validate the use of power to condemn people as inferior and to justify owning them and taking their land. That's what Jesus is talking about. So to judge not means don't use your power to condemn people as morally superior. That's a misuse of kingdom power because Jesus' justice runs on the power, not of being right and you being wrong, but on the power of repentance into a partisan world that runs on a power of rightness where to be wrong is to lose everything and you have to perpetuate injustice to win Today, receive the gift of repentance, church. Christ is full of mercy. Let us see clearly that God's justice is present among us in the gift of repentance. So even when we make a moral discernment, then Jesus goes on to say, even when we actually are able to discern, I shouldn't leave my kids with the drunk babysitter. <laughs> By the way, I wouldn't leave your kids with a drunk babysitter either. I'm just getting this out of the way just to clear up any. There's no reason for that to ever happen. But, but even if we discern, I should not do that. Jesus says the first move isn't to tell the drunk babysitter how wrong he is. The first move is to repent, Jesus said. If you see a speck in your neighbor's eye, Jesus says, 
assume you have a log in yours. Church, can we reckon with that today? Can we, uh, can we reckon with, in the justice of Jesus under his politics, that we're to assume our wrong, what a speck is like this, and the log, let's say the log is like this, assume that your wrong is 10,000 times bigger than the egregious thing that offends you. Assume that your wrong actually prevents you from seeing clearly. First remove your speck, then you'll see clearly to remove the log. This is why, friends, when something offends us or something bothers us at the table, in our DNA groups, we train to notice what bothers us about what other people are doing or what they're doing or what's happening outside of us, but to treat it as a kairos, to treat it as something that I'm perceiving that bothers me out there that God probably wants to speak to me first about in here. This is, this, this, it comes directly from this passage. You will get offended in this church. People will do legitimate wrong against you because that's just, I don't know, we're kind of wrong-making machines. God is healing us, but that's what we do sometimes. Um, friends, the way we handle that is we, we own and name our own kairos so that God can deal with whatever he wants to deal with with us so that then we can move towards others and help them as well. We assume, based upon this, that self-awareness is more important than other awareness. We assume that love, as the foundation of the universe, connects and commits us to the people we're with, right? So that uh, we aren't these uh, discrete, individualized, isolated, autonomous individuals. And this isn't uh, a personal, individualized morality code, but we actually need each other. We actually need each other. Ain't none of us got the 2020 vision about what's going on in the world, right? So remember, remember that whatever you see, that the person that's doing wrong, either in this church or outside this church, remember that, uh, that love holds it all together. And that you don't win if you're right. You win if you repent. <laughs> so to see a speck in another's eye is a call to repentance, friends. Today we proclaim the good news that Jesus' justice runs on the power of repentance into a partisan world that runs on the power of being right, where uh where we must perpetuate injustice to win, and we can never be wrong. Today, receive the gift of repentance. Church, Christ is full of mercy. He wants to extend mercy to you. Will you, will you receive that, that mercy today? Will you repent? Receive the gift of repentance. I... Uh, Probably many of you uh, watched some of the presidential debates this year, yeah? There were uh, at least two of them that I can remember. And um, I'll be honest, I watched the first one for about six minutes. 
And I couldn't, I couldn't get through any more than that. It was really hard for me for a number of reasons. But the one that probably is most uh, pertinent for this is because I, um, I noticed that each person was be asked a question. And there was, uh, there was a refusal to answer questions. There was obfuscation. They'd take a question and they would, they would talk about something else. Or they'd take a question and, and obfuscate it, but they'd also make an accusation, make false or misleading statements or incomplete statements about their opponent. Or when a fault of theirs was mentioned, they would deflect and point out a fault of something else when asked about their own. This obfuscation and accusation and deflection, I just, I couldn't deal with it. It wasn't entertaining to me. It was, uh, it was sad to me. And I had this moment uh, right before I turned it off. Like I had this moment where I thought, what if, what if when confronted with something false or misleading that he said, what if President Trump said, you know what, you're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. What do you think I should do to make that right? <laughs> I feel like the entire political system of our world would just come to a screeching halt. Nobody would know what to do with that. Nobody would know what to do with that. It would almost be like, I, I think we would just it would just skip by it as a blip because partisan America runs on being right and somebody else being wrong. So accusation and obfuscation and deflection are the strategies that win the day. But the, in the politics of Jesus, his justice, in his economics of how we do relationships, true power is the freedom to be wrong and to own it with other people. Justice in the kingdom of God under the politics of Jesus starts with us, not them. Justice in the kingdom of God under the politics of Jesus runs on repentance, not retaliation or revenge or being right. Justice in the kingdom of God and the politics of Jesus reckons that the problem I'm causing is much larger than the problem someone else is causing. Justice in the kingdom of God. Under the politics of Jesus, let's God be God, discerns what's wrong, starting with me, and takes responsibility for it. Justice in the kingdom of God and the politics of Jesus doesn't seek to maintain and consolidate power to control others and convince them they're wrong. It submits to the power of love to become a help for others. So what do we do here, church? What do we do? Well, um, we name the wrong that we are doing or we are complicit or culpable in. We name the wrong, in other words, closest to us. I've, I've received a couple communications uh, from this sermon series from a number of people. And I want to I hear this well that um, it looks like you, you guys are repeating um, liberal talking points, and it looks like you guys are being way more hard on conservatives and the political right than the political left. 
if you if you feel like that or you've thought that, you're in good company. These are these are smart, godly, attractive people who've said this to me. Um, and maybe I guess I I guess guilty, but here's why. Here's why, friends. I'm sure that secular atheists have issues. I'm sure they do. I'm sure that the Latino community in El Paso, Texas has issues. I'm sure that Muslims, Hindus, Hare Krishnas, Jews, Buddhists, those who practice Jediism, Scientologists, they all got issues. But you know who else has issues? White Christians. White Christians in conservative denominations like ours. We got some issues, ladies and gents. And so you're going to hear me name conservative white Christian issues more. Not because I'm a liberal, but because I'm trying to take Matthew 7 seriously. So I, I could be wrong. Like I, I really could be wrong, but that's where it's coming from in my heart, as far as I know. But I, I could have a plank, so I need you to help me. I'm a part of that group. I've been complicit and culpable in our many sins. Primarily in the U.S., many white Christians have been co-opted and used by powerful people to win and keep power over and against others. It's been an adulterous relationship, church. Makes Gomer look like a faithful wife to Hosea, is what I'm saying. Primarily, it's been BIPOC, black, indigenous, people of color, brothers and sisters who've done the heavy lifting and hard work of naming white conservative Christian sins because we won't do it. We won't name white supremacy. We won't name misogyny. We won't name our addiction to violence. We won't name our greed. We won't name our racism. We won't name our systemic injustice. We're too busy justifying ourselves. Is anybody tired of that? I'm tired of that. <laughs> Primarily in the U.S., as white Christians, we've let narratives like freedoms and rights, we've let these narratives come to justify and validate selfishness, greed, violence, at the expense of the most vulnerable, marginalized, and poor. So, as a church that's primarily made up of white Christians in a conservative denomination, here we are. This is where we are. Welcome to the show. We're going we're gonna to name these things over and over, looking for ways to deal with our sins because they're our plank, fam. This is our plank, fam. And we don't get anywhere if we have this, like, really enlightened kind of elitist church group that's not like those mega churches or not like those conservatives or not like those MAGA people. We don't get anywhere scapegoating this stuff. If scapegoating could have solved this, it would have by now. So nothing gets better if we point to billionaires or the KKK or corporate crooks to justify ourselves nothing. So that's the first thing. That's, that's why you hear that from me. But again, in the spirit of Matthew 7, I submit to you that might be a plank. And I need to hear from you. Second, friends, we demonstrate the goodness 
of the gospel as repentance, as mission. We see clearly, we, re we repent so that we can help other people remove the speck, so that we live as though love is true. We live as though we've received mercy. God's power is unleashed through us as we humbly submit ourselves to God and each other. What if, hear me out, I know this is radical, don't jump off Zoom, but hear me out. What if we were actually known by our love? Like, like what if? When people thought of Christians, they thought, oh, those people, they bend over backwards to own their crap. Even stuff they probably didn't even do personally. They're willing to identify and, and repent and lament on behalf of wrong stuff done to me. I feel like they're my advocate and ally because they're bending over backwards to say, I'm sorry, we're wrong. What can we do? Can you imagine if Christians were known as a people who... We're safe because we know what to do with badness and wrongness and evil. We're full of mercy and good fruit. So this is a decolonized helping, friends. This isn't a helping from above. I've got some money. I've got some know-how. I've got a Jesus tract, and you need, to, you need what I have. Listen up. This, is a, this isn't a powering up and over others. This is a powering under to help others assisting others from our need for assistance. It is submitting ourselves to the ones we want to serve. Today, we proclaim the good news that Jesus' justice runs in the power of repentance into a partisan world that runs in the power of rightness, where to be wrong is to lose everything, where we have to perpetuate injustice to win. Today, friends, Receive the gift of repentance. You've got nothing to lose except for what you want to lose anyway. Christ is full of mercy, church. Let us see clearly that God's justice is present among us in this gift of repentance. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.